0: Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, March 10th, 2023, and I'm Natalia Castro from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. This week, we are kicking off International Women's History Month and celebrating International Women's Day with a discussion on women in the federal workplace. We will be talking about how your agency can create a more inclusive space, elevate intersectionality, and improve the gender diverse leadership pipeline. Let me start by introducing my guests. First, joining me from the American Management Association's Women's Leadership Center is Director Lauren McNally. Lauren, thank you for being here today. Next, we have the Women in Federal Law Enforcement's new pre- president, Katrina Bonus. Katrina, thank you, for, thank you for joining us. It's great to have another Whipple representative on FedTalk. Welcome. Finally, I am excited to welcome the president of Federally Employed Women, Pamela Richards. Welcome to FedTalk, Pamela. We're going to get started with hearing a little bit more about the organizations that each of our guests work with. Starting with WIFL, I know we've had women in federal law enforcement on this program before. They're a really great partner of Fed Talks, but WIFL has a new president. So, Katrina, could you tell us a little bit about WIFL for those of our listeners who might not be familiar um, and about your kind of rise to presidency?
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Natalia, for having me here uh, amongst this uh, incredible group. Uh, as you said, my name is Katrina Bonus, I am the president of Women in Federal Law Enforcement. Uh, women in federal law enforcement is a nonprofit uh, organization that began in 1999. Um, we are a sister to the previous organization that was established in 1973 um, when laws changed uh, to allow women into the uh, workplace for policing, whether it was you know being able to carry a weapon, um, being able to serve in policing capacity. Um, I just recently retired from the United States Secret Service, where I served for the last 26 years. Uh, So it truly is an honor to serve in this capacity, um, to be able to use my experience uh, through a 26 and a half year career, to be able to better um, how women are represented in law enforcement, um, but also to how we can uh, better recruit, hire, retain, and uh, obviously promote women in our profession.
0: Thank you so much for that introduction. You know, when I hear you talk about this 26 year long career you've had in federal law enforcement, I know one of the things we're going to talk about is really the evolution of the place of women in predominantly, you know, male spaces within the federal workforce. And I'm really excited to hear about how your experience has informed how you lead WIFL. And I'm really excited to dive into that conversation. But before we do, we have another organization here representing women in the federal community and really all levels of government, as I know we're going to talk more about. Federally employed women is often called Few within the federal workplace. Pamela, can you teach us a little bit about Few?
3: Yes, ma'am. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here amongst these wonderful ladies. Um, And Few is an organization I love talking about because this organization, we are doing great things. We are leveling up for success. And so few has been around, we're a private nonprofit organization. This year, we are 55 years old. We was established in 1968, and our very first president is still with us and still actively participating in our our organization, whether she's at the NTP or whether she's on conference calls, but she's still participating and imparting wisdom with us. Executive Order 11375, which added sex uh, sex discrimination to the list, prohibited discrimination categories in the federal government is what we were founded on so we was established back then with 13 ladies and a man who installed our very first president and so our tagline and model is working for the advancement of women in government and if you notice we didn't say federal we didn't say state we didn't say local because we're looking at all levels of government because we know what happens at the top always trickles down to the bottom right and so what we do, uh, we accomplish our strategic goals through our premier training that we have every year, which is our national training event coming up in July and all roads lead to Ohio. Our diversity initiatives where we recognize everybody that is represented here in federally employed women, right? And then legacy ab- le- legislative advocacy. We have a legislative component that we have a hired lobbyist who lobbies on, for, on behalf of us on the issues that impact our membership as well as impacting women within the workplace. And we are encouraging federal agency with compliance to the EEO law. So that's a little bit about who we are uh, and uh, look forward to sharing more about federally-employed women with you all today.
0: Thank you so much for that great introduction. I really appreciate how you hit every aspect of what it means to really improve the stature of women in the federal government, whether it's through agency compliance, legislative advocacy, individual training. It really foreshadows how much of a holistic effort this is. And I know that's going to be another topic of conversation on this program. And then finally, coming from the perspective that is both the public sector and the private sector, really looking at women in the workplace across Uh, the different sectors of our um, you know workforce. We have from the American Management Association, the Women's Leadership Center. Lauren, can you tell us a little bit um, about AMA and the Women's Leadership Center?
4: Yeah, absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me here today. I feel very honored to be here with you and these esteemed women as well. while we're not a govern- government agency, like you said, we work very, very closely. We've been a long standing partner with all levels of government, and we're also a GSA contract holder. Um, AMA, like everyone else said, we are a nonprofit organization. We are celebrating our 100 years of business as the global leaders in talent development, transforming people and organizations through our world class content and training. We help individuals approve upon existing skills as well as helping individuals build new skills to prepare for advancement. And on a much larger scale, we support organizations to implement their strategies through our trusted content. So whether you're looking to uh, move individual contributors into management roles and get them ready for that, or you want to implement your DEI strategy, we come in as your educational partner to help you build out and implement. Um, I'm here on behalf of Women's Leadership Center, which is part of AMA, and we believe that through community and meaningful education, we can truly help advance women and prepare women for future opportunities. We give women a safe space to learn, connect with one another, build skills, take risks, so that when they return to the workplace, they can do so and implement those skills with full and complete
0: confidence. Thanks again for having me today. Absolutely. I'm really excited to dive into the resources that you guys offer. There's a lot of information, both help individuals and organizations navigate their DEIA goals. And with that kind of background on each of your organizations and the incredible you work, work you each do for women um, in the workforce, I'm curious, you know, this conversation is really framed around Women's History Month um, or around- International Women's Day. What are some of the things that come to mind for each of you as individuals when you hear about Women's History Month? For a lot of you, this is work that goes on all year long. So, what is the real importance of this month? And I'll throw that out to the room for for any responses.
2: Natalia, I think for me, um, it really is about honoring our legacy and honoring all of those that came before you know, to learn from their lessons and learn from their challenges, um, really to be able to better um, the future generations. Uh, We all work hard to just improve and identify those challenges uh, just to make uh, our profession in uh, federal government, state, local, just even better for women um, as the new legacies and the new generations take on.
0: I love that. Really looking back in order to look forward. and and understanding those things from the past in order to carry them forward. Any additional thoughts from Pam and Lauren? Yeah, I'd love to chime in. I as well, I mean, of course, I'm looking at the, uh, the women
4: that have paved the way for us, us, we do, this, we do this meaningful work every single day. We're lucky enough to do that, right? And it really helps me to reflect on that great work we're doing and also think about how we can do an even better job. And I think it's such an important time for us to use our voices and use our platform to spread awareness, right? And to pay everything that we've learned forward to future leaders and generations. So really thinking about the past, the
3: present, and the future and how we can even and level up even further. And just to add to what my colleagues have already shared, um, it's important that we share her story. Uh, the shoulders that we have stood on for years to continue to uh, make sure that that legacy is shared with not only our current workforce, but our daughters and our nieces and all of those to come. And also it comes to mind that there's still more work to do as you see with the women that are represented here and what we stand for, and what we're advocating for, the, the job is not done. There's still more for us to do. It's more for us to share how women have contributed to the rich history of our, of our country, how much impact we've made, not in just only our organizations, but in the world as a whole. So her story is very important. Not only did we focus on just one month that we should continue to tell our story year round so that our daughters and our nieces and all of the young ladies will know what impact a woman has had in our country's rich rich history. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I think those
0: are some really great insights that really set up the rest of our conversation about how we take this month, how we take those lessons learned, those stories, and really turn them into action in order to really set the path for the future generations. We do have to stop here for our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I am here with representatives from federally employed women, women in federal law enforcement, and the American Management Association's Women's Leadership Center. We are talking about Women's History Month, International Women's Day, and I think it's a great way to just kick off the really substantive part of this conversation by going back to the basics and talking about the benefits of gender inclusivity and diversity in the workplace. So I'm gonna toss a question out to the panel. Please feel free to jump in. Why do you view diversity in the workplace as important? Why must we continue having these conversations um, today? And particularly looking at the federal workplace, why is it important to have a workforce that really represents our nation? Lauren, do you want to kick us off? Sure.
4: So yeah, um, diversity in the workplace is very important. I did think about you know how we serve our government agencies, and I think it's uh, very similar to how we work with corporations as well. You know, the people you're serving are diverse, right? So. I believe that your agency should be representative of the diverse people that you're uh, serving and you're making sure that you're addressing their needs of the entire population. Um, And also we wanna make sure that the policies that we're making are inclusive for everyone, right? Um, And of course, no matter whether you're in, Corporations, whether you're in agencies, when differences are embraced, it's always going to strengthening. It's always going to strengthen your results, right? It's going to lead to a more engaged workforce. Uh, people are going to trust each other more, and that's going to lead to greater productivity. And it's going to just bring greater results. So, all in all, I mean, it, it, it's it's great for the mission that you're working working towards, the, the people in your organization,
0: and the people that you're serving. Absolutely. You know, one thing we always say is that how the federal workforce acts internally reflects externally. And so when you create that inclusive space where different stories can be told, different people can have seats at the table, um, then, and, and that is an internal culture Then the external engagement with the American taxpayer it sees those benefits as well. And there's a really equality and service delivery that comes with that. Uh, Pam, I noticed uh, you looked like you want to jump in there.
3: Yes, and so, you know, um, just to add to what Lauren has shared and how important diversity is within the workplace and everyone have a sense of belonging, everyone feeling like they have a part in the role of what goes on within the workplace. And we also have to look at implicit bias and the tendency for people to hire and promote those that look like them makes advocacy and um, continuous education imperative. And so diversity is only sustainable when there's a representation at every level and in the rooms where decisions are being made. So it is very important that we have everybody uh, represented and everyone has a seat at the table uh, so that everyone can be heard. Being heard is very important within the workplace. Uh, It brings about diverse ideas, diverse information, diverse backgrounds, diverse cultures, some things you may not know. And so it's always a learning opportunity when we continue to embrace the diversity that goes on with uh, being inclusive with everyone.
0: Absolutely. And one thing that, you know, a kind of perception that I have heard sometimes when you try and have conversations. Conversations about diversity is, well, we should just treat everyone the same. We should almost take like a gender blind approach that everyone should just be treated the same. There's is no issues. You know, if you treat everyone the same, then everything's fine. And I think one thing Pam just hit on with implicit bias is that that mentality doesn't always work. You know, it, it, that mentality can sometimes make it easy to ignore the, re- the real differences in people's experiences. So I, I want to again throw it out to the group. What do you guys see as the benefits of taking more of a gender conscious approach where you acknowledge people's differences and better understand how that helps people navigate their career options. So um, I'll throw that out and see who wants to jump in.
2: Natalia, um, I think uh, Lauren and Pam, you know, they brought up some great points. You know, the key word from Pam that really resonated with me was the word belonging. You know, to work for an organization or a leader that truly values you and values your perspective, that's diversity. You know, that is allowing and that's just bringing everyone, regardless of sex, regardless of race, regardless of, you know, um, uh, any of those. Um, important uh, facts and uh, just to the table in in, in gaining their perspective. It's going to better your organization. It's going to better how we do things and it's going to better the community as a whole because it's going to change policies and practices. It's going to change initiatives and programs that are really going to serve our public and our community. As Lauren said, you know, another thing that resonated with me is that is who we serve. Um, The communities that we serve, that's who we need to represent. So Um, you know, uh, their previous question um, and their answers really hit home. And that's why we need to be, uh, you know, um, uh, diversity conscious instead of diversity blind. We need to really value everyone's opinions and perspectives because it's really going to make us better individually, but it's going to make uh, the organizations um, so much better that we work for and that we lead.
0: Katrina, thank you so much. And that sense of belonging, of bettering your organization in order to better community, I think really is something WIFL has given specific attention to in their work on recruitment and retention, particularly in the law enforcement community, which has been dominated by men for a very long time. One of those initiatives is the 30 by 30 initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about WIFL's work and the work of federal law enforcement agencies through 30 by 30?
2: Yes, uh, the 30 by 30 initiative um, was founded two years ago by uh, Maureen uh, McGow and uh, Yvonne Roman. Um, It is a a, a national coalition, really, to advocate all women in law enforcement. You know, the ultimate goal is to have 30% women recruits by the year 2030, but it also goes beyond that, you know, to identify those inherent biases, those challenges that all women face in the recruiting, the hiring, the retention, and the promotion of women. So women in federal law enforcement, we partnered with them on December 1st of 2022, really to um, um, focus on the federal law enforcement agencies, uh, and you know, studies show that women have a different perspective in how we manage those policing scenes. Uh, you know, the communities view us as more compassionate and uh, you know, more honest. Uh, Women use less lethal. Uh, And then, too, we handle situations when it comes to violence, sexual abuse, a little bit differently than our male counterparts. And that has value. Um, You know, the uh, U.S. Marshals was the first, uh, through Director Davis, to sign that 30 by 30 pledge. And just yesterday, uh, Director Ray signed the pledge with the uh, FBI. So as we see, you know, a lot of federal agencies joining this pledge with the 30 by 30 initiative uh, and over 200 law enforcement agencies. uh, throughout the country, state and local, have signed this pledge. It really is, again, identifying, you know, those inherent biases and those challenges and really creating a workforce uh, in a workplace um, and ensuring that the needs of all women are met throughout a whole career uh, with their agencies.
0: That link between getting these diverse perspectives, these diverse persons into the workplace, and then understanding how that can assist organizations in combating their implicit biases and creating more inclusive environments. I think it's so interesting to me how, you know, you bring one person in and, and it starts a ripple effect, and then you can really see that expand and grow and see a workforce culture change to be more inclusive over time through initiatives like this. Um, It's also important to recognize that, you know, 30% women recruits is still far less than the kind of uh, gender balance in our society, but it's an incredible goal when you're seeing so many law enforcement agencies struggle to even meet the 10%, the 15% number. So I think this is a very interesting initiative that we'll be following very closely. And it's great news to hear that so many federal law enforcement agencies have signed on because I know it started as more of a state and local mission. And so as Pam alluded to, when that change comes from the top, it makes it so much easier um, to trickle down and see the change at other levels. And so I, I think that's very important and i'm glad to see the federal agencies jumping
3: in natalia if i could share something real quick i want to salute katrina for l uh, willful for all of the work that they're doing being a proud military police officer in a male-dominated field some 30 years ago i have seen the change and not only just in the, civi- you know, the civilian side of the workforce, but only in the military where women are now getting more opportunities to serve in our military police officers positions. And so I do understand the work that you all do, but I celebrate that you all are given that 30 for 30 and that so many are getting on board with that because women are in, in the law enforcement have a challenge because sometimes they have to choose between getting promoted and starting a family. Do I lose my rank because I decided to get married or have children? No longer will they have to make that choice now with the work that you all are doing. So I salute you all for the work that you all are doing for those ladies that were no longer to at one point have to choose between having a, a career or a family, but they can have a career and a family. So thank you for the work that you're doing.
2: Uh, Thank you, Pam. And thank you for your service. You know, I'll share a personal story. My mom uh, is a uh, uh, retired Metropolitan in D.C. police officer, and she was one of the first females in 1973 when they opened up the door for women to go into law enforcement with the Metropolitan Police Department. And hearing her stories through the 20 years, you know, she really conformed to an all-male environment. You know, she would come home and, you know, some of the curse words and things like that, you know, but that's what she had to do. And, you know, at that point, obviously, the numbers were low. But even when, with women in federal law enforcement was established in 1999, we were sitting at about 12 to 13% law enforcement or women in law enforcement. We're now at about 14, 15% with really only 3% being in, you know, leadership positions. It goes to show to both what Lauren and Pam have said, we have a lot of work to do, um, but it also shows we have, you know, improved. And as a mom and, you know, my spouse is secret service as well. Pam, you're exactly correct. Being able to have a long 25-year career and going from a young 22-year-old single woman and just going all into my profession. And at some point I had life changes and having the agency and my, you know, the Secret Service be able to adapt at those changes and having the policies and procedures to still allow me to remain on the job, but also to be promoted. I'm proud and being able to use that for the future for my 11-year-old daughter who may be wanting to follow in the family footsteps. So-
0: it really is um, shocking to recognize that it wasn't until 1969 with the signing of Executive Order 11478 that women could be in law enforcement. And it wasn't until just a year before that, that, you know, there was really it was a prohibited personnel practice to gender and discrimination in the workforce at all. So it's really only been 50 years or so that. Women have even had these opportunities. So to hear you guys talk about how far we've come, it's really incredible. And it shows uh, how much work is being done by organizations like yours in the government to open these doors. Thank you for your stories. We're going to talk more about the power of storytelling and its importance for opening opportunities and making feel- women feel like they belong in the workplace when we return for our second break. You're listening to Bed Talk on Federal News Network. Welcome back to TED Talk on Federal News Network. I am here with View President Pamela Richards, Whipple President Katrina Bonus, and Director of the American Management Association's Women's Leadership Center Lauren McNally. We are talking about women in the federal workplace. And to kick off this second half of our conversation, um, I know that these efforts—we talk a lot about things that individuals can do. We talk a lot about things that organizations can do. You, I know you spend a lot of time working on the legislative side of things and making sure that there are laws on the books that protect women and create an equitable work environment for women. Can you tell us about just some of the initiatives that you guys work on uh, in order to make that possible?
3: Yes, Um, ma'am. One of our four focus areas that we uh, build our organization upon uh, is uh and we have which is legislative component so there are some legislative initiatives that few uh supports and also uh have our lobbyists to lobby on behalf of our membership and uh with that being said that is the pregnant workers fairness act is one of the uh acts or legislation that we provide input on and we push and our membership are allowed to go to a system called voter voice and voter voice has the letters already Pre-populated for them. All they have to do is select their particular state, and that congressional representative will come up. And what we have is a letter-writing campaign to ask their legislative, their congressional representative, to support this legislation. You have providing urgent maternal protection for pump for uh, nursing mothers act that that allows teachers, uh, software engineers, farm workers, uh, nurses, and other workers to be included in the right to have a reasonable break and a private place to pump breast milk during the day. Um, you, uh, if you're not aware, they have those uh, rooms uh, in the, some agencies have a designated room for mothers, nursing mothers to be able to pump. And so each year a few has a scorecard based on what uh, Congress is in office. And so our latest, because the 118th just got in office. So our 117th Congress, uh, which is most recent, uh, bill prohibits discrimination based on sex and sexual orientation and gender identity in areas, including public accommodations and facilities and education, federal funding. I mean, uh, you know, this bill specifically defines and includes sex. You know, we're looking for those specific words, uh, of sexual orientation and gender identity amongst the prohibited categories of discrimination of segregation and then Paycheck Fairness Act. You know, we're not looking to get paid more, but we want to be paid the same amount of money as our male counterparts for doing the same exact job. We have the same bill responsibilities, right? So nothing changes with that. So we just want to get paid for the work that we do. And this bill addresses wage discrimination based on sex, which is defined to include pregnancy, again, sexual orientation, gender identity, and sex characteristics. So this is just a small snippet of the legislation that we support as an organization.
0: I highly encourage our guests to check out that legislative scorecard on Fuse website. It's a really phenomenal breakdown of the legislative initiatives moving through Congress right now, addressing these topics. As Pam mentioned, you know, for an individual agency, they may have um, the, the bathrooms for nursing mothers, they may have some of these discrete items, but unless there is legislative change, sometimes there's no guarantee that all agencies will, and it's really important to have those changes codified in the law so that women across the federal workforce and the state and government, as well as the private sector workforce are protected. That's really phenomenal work on behalf of you. Um, and I know our listeners surely benefit from few's legislative advocacy in terms of looking internally within an organization, building your organizational culture and um, really ensuring that there is inclusivity. I know the Women's Leadership Center creates a variety of guides and plans for agencies in order to create more inclusive organizational spaces. Uh, Lauren, can you tell me some of the, what you guys view as the key pillars for creating an inclusive organizational culture and some tips on how agencies can as their employees in valuing inclusivity? Great. that's a great question and first Pam, i want to say thank you so
4: much for all the incredible incredible work you're doing and movement that you're making uh it's it's really outstanding to hear so thank you for sharing that uh as far as inclusive organizations and really building into your culture i have to say you have to be all in right there is no check the box. There's no one and done or one hit wonder when it comes to creating an inclusive culture and organization. You truly have to welcome everyone regardless of their differences, right? Invite invite everyone to the conversation regardless of their differences give fair opportunities when all of that is working together that's really when you're able you know we talked a little bit about belonging in an earlier segment that's when you really have people showing up as their true selves right and using their voice and their power in a positive way um, and we really see this responsibility as an organization wide responsibility so we look at what can an organization do what can leadership do what can individuals do to make a difference it isn't just about you know fixing women or training women to be more assertive Um, it's about really taking true responsibility um, and being accountable at every level and every role it doesn't matter where you are where you sit in the organization you can truly make a difference and it takes a village, right? It takes everyone and everyone does need to be walking the walk. Um, when it comes to things to put in place, you know, setting clear go- goals is really important. Understanding where to begin is important. So looking at your data is critical. Um, communicating what your goals are is imperative. Um, and something that um, is, will really really make a difference and and a lot of organizations aren't doing this but i i see some organizations doing it really well is making sure that your human resources or people operations and your learning and development and your dei departments are all working together collectively to achieve those important goals right that you're communicating and that you're collaborating um and that you're really understanding how they can work together to support one another, right? That's really when the magic happens. So that's our mindset and how we approach thinking about, even just thinking about how to make your organization more inclusive.
2: Lauren, that's a great point. And uh, you really uh, touched on um, exactly what women in federal law enforcement's priority is right now. Uh, in with the thirty by thirty initiative, but it's working with the federal law enforcement agencies and really getting that data to truly get assessments of, you know, mm-hmm. at what point are what are the points of that you're losing diverse people, you know, whether it's Women, um, in regards to the recruitment part of it, or the hiring, or the training, or you know the retention to our points of those programs that may not be allowing uh, women to have successful long careers, maternity practices, maternity leave, lactation rooms, those type things. So, working with these federal agencies to sit there and have them do with you know the human resources, with their EEO offices, with legal, supported by their leadership, to truly do assessments for their specific agency to find out. That data, because we know data speaks volumes, and then that's how mm-hmm. we're going to be able to support Pam and her efforts to get those laws changed. You know, so really, uh, it, it, you touched home in really what our priority with WIFL is right now is working with them for those assessments.
4: That's great, and understanding where those challenges and pain points are is so critical. And then even taking it a step further as to okay, now what's needed to make that changed and make that difference. What are, how do people need to develop? How, how does that relate to their role in the organization? Um, what cultural changes do we need to make? What is What role does leadership play in all of this? So um, that first step though, I think is critical. And, I, and I, I think that a lot of organizations are troubled with how do I get started? Well, even just what you pointed out, wh- when are women leaving the organization right when are they becoming disengaged um what are our retention numbers uh that's just that's such a great place to start where you can go and ask your hr folks hey or what are our diversity numbers you know where are we losing people um where are there where is there less diversity in the organization because if you say you're diverse but all the diversity is in the bottom of the organization's org chart right um then there's 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 seriously a problem with equity and inclusivity in the organization because people aren't diverse. People are not making their
3: way up into higher roles. And one of the things we do at federally employed women, one of our second two, uh, two of our uh, four focus areas, and that is compliance, and that is uh, meeting with the agents agencies and going over their MD seven fifteen to talk about recruitment and retention in those areas where they lack women, where well, women are underrepresented in leadership. We provide advice, we uh, allow the chapters that are, exist there to be that voice to say, hey, we we have X number of leaders and le- women in leadership over here, but we don't have someone over here. In particular, our STEAM, our STEAM and our STEM, okay, because they've added to A, but you know, your science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, we women are underrepresented in those areas. And so what we do is do agency visits, And when they reach out to us, we come in there and provide advice and suggestions for them because we work alongside agencies. We always want them to know that we're we're your allies. We're here to assist you in this era and talk about different places that you can go for recruitment, all girls college. I actually teach at Trinity University. And I'm gonna reach out to Katrina to come and talk to my wonderful ladies in criminal justice because they all wanna be a part of the federal law enforcement but don't know how. And so this is a great way that we can talk to them in an initiative that we're going to have with Federal employed women. It's Few College Connect to work with those young ladies as they're getting ready to graduate and they can see women such as Katrina in those particular areas who have been successful, who've had a family, who've done great things, who's married to someone who's in the same field that she's in, that they can have all this. And so because they're hesitant, because they feel like, their life has to stop when they become Secret Service, CIA, FBI. But this, this is their dream jobs because I always ask the question, what do you want to do with your degree when you're done? And the first thing they say, CIA, Secret Service, FBI, I would love to do that. And, and most of the women that are in my class are minorities. And so I want to present women before them as guest speakers so they can ask those questions to them so that they can see that they can do that. And teaming up with organizations like Lauren, with AMA, to introduce this training, Uh, we have a STEM day comes up that we talk to our high school students and college students to give that information to them during that STEM day, that they can be able to learn about the opportunities out there and how to conduct themselves ahead of time, that those young decisions don't affect your dream job. So it is great that, you know, each organization has a way that we're intertwined with each other, that we are working toward advancing the women in government all together and in, in the public sector as well.
4: Thank you. Am I able to add to that real quick? So I love what you're talking about bringing Katrina in and sharing stories. Uh, and it just brought uh, a, a story of mine up is we were recently at a uh, male dominated organization, the utility space, and we were serving their um, mid-level managers and in a, in a full day, full two day, uh, women's leadership, uh, workshop initiative. And, you know, of course you go to these events, the CEO is there, there's, there's lead, top leadership there. And yet their CEO is a female. So she, she put, she's talked about how she moved up and the challenges she faced. And then there were other executive women there. Not, they were not only on the panel, but they were also participating in the learning and the workshop, sharing their stories. And then to go an even step further, there were uh, a group of women who are now mentoring the women that are in these programs, who were alumni of, these pro- of this program from several years ago. And they're able to now share their stories of how this program impacted their future within the organization and their overall career. So sharing those stories at every single level uh, and having it to relate to so many many different people in so many different ways can just be so, so impactful. Because sometimes even when you have all these resources at your fingertips, you have no idea what the first step is to take, or it can be really scary to ask for help or ask for a mentor. So um, I, I love what you're doing and talking about sharing and and bringing people in because uh, it really goes a long way.
2: I agree. And I think for all of us, mentorship is the, you know, that's what helped us, you know, have such a successful career. It helped us through the ebbs and flows. It gave us someone to talk to while, you know, we had a bad day and, you know, we're just like, all right, I just want to go home. I want to, you know, grab my daughter. I want to give her a hug and I want to quit, you know, but we had those mentors that we could talk to to sit there and say, no, here, here's a perspective. You can look at it. And it actually changed our perspective when we were having challenges and challenge, you know, uh, having struggles, but those mentors were the key, at least for me, and I know for all of you to sit there and have, but really to have it all, you know, to be able to be the best, you know, at home so we could be the best, you know, leader at work as well.
0: Yeah, that mentorship is absolutely critical. You know, it's it's easy to get overwhelmed um, and having someone to just guide you through the process makes the absolute biggest difference in a career. It's something we hear constantly is something that comes up on the show constantly is that real value of mentorship that understands the experience you're going through and and you can relate to on that personal level as well as that professional level. We have to stop here for our final break, but when we return, we will wrap up this discussion with some real tangible uh, places our listeners can go to learn more about how they can really improve gender diversity in their workplace. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We are entering the last segment of our Women's History Month show. Let's dive right in. We ended the last program talking about the value of mentorship, about telling stories in order to help guide women through their career. I want to speak to Whiffle uh, for a moment. You know, I think there are a lot of difficulties that come in being in a really male dominated space. Wiffle, uh, Katrina, I'm wondering, what do you see as some of the biggest barriers to allowing women to break into these spaces? And what advice do you have given your 26 years in law enforcement um, for helping women overcome some of these barriers? Uh, thank you, Natalia. Um, so
2: as you've mentioned, you know, we are in a male dominated profession, similar to military. Pam experienced that in her 30 years. And, uh, you know, the the gender barriers in regards to, you know, women always go in, you know, with the assumption that we always have to break the glass ceiling. But the expectation is to break that glass ceiling because there's so few of us, especially few in leadership positions. Um, so uh, you know, changing our male counterparts' uh, their minds—one that we belong in this profession. You know, it doesn't just have to be a male-dominated profession. Um, but you know, uh, respecting uh, our opinions, respecting how we do things, respecting us as employees, respecting us as women, um, but also agencies having a strong um, uh, discrimination and sexual harassment policy that really is taught throughout. Um, you know, the organizations, I think, is very, very important. Um, And ensuring that, you know, uh, WIFL and all of the uh, organizations, AMA and FEW, really talk to uh, these agencies to ensure that, you know, it's, uh, whether it's quarterly or yearly training, that everyone understands, you know, what those uh, limitations and where that line is. Um, That really is another barrier in ensuring that, you know, agencies have strong uh, discrimination and harassment policies, and they are really Applied, uh, and we've already touched home in regards to the work-life balance, and those those are the barriers. Whether it is you know coming back uh, and going out uh, on maternity leave, or taking care of elderly parents, or you know going to uh, pursue educational uh, degrees and then coming back into the workforce, having those mechanisms that you know we can have a pause, but then also to be welcomed back at the level of, and again being able to. Um, Um, reach uh, those uh, higher levels uh, equally with our male
0: counterparts. I really appreciate that you didn't just, uh, and that none of our guests here today have just put the burden on women to, you know, just stand up and speak up. Like, I think that's a problem we often see is that you put the burden on the person who's really disadvantaged by the system um, and require them to make a change. And a consistent thread I've heard through this conversation is about changing organizational culture as a whole looking at the legislative policies looking at the direct that are in place and in using those as tools to create a more respectful and inclusive environment rather than just putting all of the burden on the women in the workplace. Lauren, I know this is something the Women's Leadership Center also focuses on um, in creating ally guides and in helping people who are part of the kind of majority identities to assist different diverse persons in succeeding in the workplace. Can you tell us about how uh, the Women's Leadership Center works on that? yeah
4: and I, i'd like to start by sharing um i have uh, a male colleague he is uh mid-aged he's white he also adds in that he's bald i don't think that that's really important to share but he always says that um and he is a huge advocate for uh, supporting the advancement of women um he has daughters of his own uh, he is also uh, oh, oh, a really skilled trainer, very engaging. And he speaks on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And we were partnering up in the beginning of him speaking on this. And he said, why am I doing this? I'm not credible. I've never lived through this. Um, And I said, no, I was, no, we need you. We need more middle-aged white Maybe even bald men uh, stepping up and using their voice and and sharing with everyone what what you're learning and how you're supporting and setting the example for others. Um, so that's kind of uh, you know something that I think of often is like you know men don't are they're scared too you know they 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 haven't lived it so they might not know how to um, how to help. So um, we create these different tools to help with that, and one of one of them is an allyship guide. And what I really love about this is, you know, it moves you from being a bystander and doing nothing um, to really taking action. And that's what being an ally is. That's what it means. Right. I think of it as a a verb. It's about taking action Um, and taking action really can mean many different things. It, It doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one uh physically stepping in when you see biases play out in the workplace or you see discrimination take place any sort of disrespectful action um it's really about you know we break it down to these three steps one is assessing so seeing what's happening seeing what what, what, being aware what am i seeing what's what's wrong here identifying what's happening Um, and then the second is to identify your position and your role so think about uh should I actually say something? How should I say it? To whom should I say it to? Um, what should I avoid doing? You know, these are kind of the questions that that we ask. Um, should i step in first hand or should i tell someone else you know and have a neutral party step in um so that's just kind of i think that that's very helpful to think about like it's not all on you all the time if that's not the right thing in that in that situation and you know and and taking that action to tell someone else um is 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 part of the solution you know that is taking action and 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 taking a step so um and i also just want to note that allyship really is for all people right we see a lot of women step into allyship roles it is for everyone um of course we need more men in the conversation there is not enough women um at the top to mentor everyone and be allies for everyone so this is really uh, all-encompassing and something that everyone needs to uh, start doing and celebrating when when people are stepping up and and, and taking action.
0: Pam, I see you nodding your head along.
3: Uh, do you have any thoughts or reactions or Lauren shared? Yes, I totally agree with Lauren with the part about allyship and you know having allies with men uh, men on your team because we do have men in federally employed women. We say uh, federally employed, anybody can be a member of federally employed women as long as you support the mission and vision of few. And so our men give us that balance. We look to the men for, men for the balance that we need uh, to give us that male perspective. What actually is the male looking at within the workplace when he's looking to promote a female? So we get that ideas from uh, them and get that input from them, which helps better be able for us to design training programs, or conversations that need to be had, uh, they give us the tools that we need to go in there and talk at the water cooler, right? Because there's a lot of conversation being had at the water cooler we're not there. Um, and so also just to add to with allyship mentoring, we have a mentoring program at Federally Employed Women where we try to prepare that group from the GS5 level to the 12 level to help them both in their personal and professional careers and being able to give back. I did not have a mentor, a mentor when I first started out in the federal government, but I have found it to be very important. Now, even later, I have mentors with an S uh, that has helped me make the better decisions that I needed to make, which has propelled me to where I am today. Had it not been, those, been for those mentors, I don't think that I would have made it. And the one thing that they did for free for me was to ask of me is to always pay it forward. So through this mentoring program, I am giving back as as the National President of Federal Employed Women to ensure that this subcomponent of our four focus areas is is very structured, that each and every person that go through this cohort, that they are getting something out of it, something tangible. We start out with with that IDP, maybe blank at the beginning, but by the time we're done, we have an IDP that has mapped out their career all the way up to two grades higher, than what they are right now. And that's the goal, we set those goals for them and we mentor them to those goals. So allyship is very important, mentorship is the same and they all work together and paying it forward to advance the mission and vision of each organization.
0: And Pam, just to confirm, that's a free mentorship program, right?
3: That's a free mentoring
0: program, yes, ma'am. Oh, that's incredible. And Katrina, I saw you were about to jump in there. I know mentoring is also very important to the Waffle team. It is, but I just wanted
2: to add, you know, while we all have women in our title of our organizations, I think the important part here that Pam and Lauren brought um, to bear was we want the men to be part of this. You know, we don't want them to feel like they're alienated because it's women in federal law enforcement, federally employed women, you know, because we recognize we still are few, you know, especially in the leadership positions when we're sitting at 3%. So one, to alienate them, it doesn't help but also too, they are part of the solution. We need them to be part of the solution. So while we have women as part of our titles, we need our male counterparts to be that solution to give us perspective, but also to help us achieve those higher goals and numbers in years to come.
4: And I I have to say when they do show up to the invitation to come to the training, the workshop, to come to the conversation, the amount of... um, aha moments they have, the amount of, I can't believe that's going on in the organization. Wow, I had no idea that this was happening. How can I help? I mean, that's really powerful. So yeah, we, oh, it's not just about women. Be truly inclusive and invite everyone
0: to the table in the conversation. Be truly inclusive and invite everyone to the table. I think that is an incredible point, Lauren. Thank you. Um, It really takes a village to, to make the change happen in your organization. And you can't leave anyone out of that conversation if you want the change to really last. Before we close out our show today, I want to make sure our listeners know where they can go to learn more about your organizations and how they can continue the conversation and stay engaged, you know, both during this month and far past it. So, Lauren, are there any specific trainings, opportunities, presentations um, that the Women's Leadership Center is planning and how can our listeners stay connected?
4: Yes, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share. There's a million things I could talk about right now, um, but one thing that I think is really critical for this audience, um, we are going to be at the City Club of Washington, D.C. on March 23rd. 29th um, we are going to be having a breakfast briefing for the federal government on developing women leaders in today's evolving workplace it's from 8 30 to 10 a.m so come stop by have a little breakfast with us network listen to these awesome experts before you head into work um, our panelists are from the faa hud and nih um, so really really uh, smart just incredible women that are going to be there we're going to talk about ama Research strategies on how to retain and engage top talent, um, how to uh, create more equitable work environments. So, really good stuff. Um, to register and learn more, please go to amanet.org/eventswlc. I know that's a little bit long, but <laughs> uh, so it's amanet.org/eventswlc, and you'll be able to find out all the info and register. And that's on March 29th in DC
0: and you can also find that url in the description to this show so please go check it out it seems like oh, it's going awesome. to be an incredibly event um from few pam can you tell us some of the things that you has on the horizon for our listeners who may be interested in engaging further
3: okay two upcoming uh, programs we have for women's history month in which we're celebrating now uh in partnership with young government leaders you know young government leaders is where it's at that's our future uh, of today and tomorrow, and so we are collaborating with them on celebrating the women celebrating women that tell their stories With a speaker from the Department of Labor's Women's Bureau on March 15th at noon and you can go to few uh, dot org training hyphen education slash webinars and it's all there We also have a level Up for success training series about leadership and powerful com- com- communication sorry, at March 29th at noon. You can also find it at the very same place where you can register. And last, uh, but certainly not least, and that is our national training program, which is our premier event. Uh, All roads lead to Columbus, Ohio at the downtown Hilton, where we'll be having our first in-person training event since the pandemic. We are looking forward to everybody coming out and being a part of this great, awesome experience. It is July 10th through the 14th. The theme is leveling up for success, Ready, set, grow. And that's what we're looking to do is continue to grow leaders. So thank you for allowing us to put that plug in there, Natalia.
0: Absolutely. And I highly encourage people to surf around the few website. There is some archived events as well. So if you're interested in you know finding some of those past events and learning more about them, definitely check it out. Finally, from Whipple, can you please tell us uh, where people can learn more about the opportunities Whipple has on the horizon?
2: Absolutely. Um, So www.wiffle.org has everything, all things women in federal law enforcement. Um, We are really heavy this month with um, some uh, networking sessions, whether it's breakfast or lunch uh, for our members. But our biggest is our annual leadership conference, uh, which is going to be in uh, Tampa, Florida this year, uh, from August 14th to the 17th. Um, our uh, theme is walking the talk of inclusive leadership. So Lauren actually hit on it earlier, walking the walk and walking the talk. So we really want to pull from the federal agencies who are truly walking the talk and setting the example of employee resource groups, of DEI, of you know the 30 by 30 initiative, um, and you know, just programs, crisis intervention team program, de-escalation. So really highlighting the agencies um, that are walking the talk, uh, setting the example of inclusive leadership, and then also to uh, our true and strong women leaders that are leading these agencies Um, with our keynote speaker, Secret Service Director Kim Cheadle. She'll be opening up our ceremony. So it's going to be a great time. Thank you, Natalia. Oh, yes.
0: Of course, the Whipple conference is one of my favorite events of the year. Please, if you are not familiar with the event, learn more about it. It is just an absolute joy and an inspiration each and every year. So highly recommend people attend. That is all the time we have for today's show. Pamela Richards, Katrina Bonus, Lauren McNally, thank you so much for joining me today on this program. And thank all of you for listening to Fed Talk. Fed Talk is brought to you by the federal employment law firm of Shaw Bransford and Roth. Have a great weekend and a great Women's History Month.